Justified's final season premiere is over, but we're just getting started here talking about it on Post Show Recaps. I'm Josh Wiggler, and I am joined here by a man who who tastes like a warm, sunny day, Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you? Well, well, I did not expect such a uh, revealing introduction. Well, you know, I just want people to know something about you. I, too, am bottled in Kentucky. <laughs> this is absolutely true. Uh, for any of you who are listening to the Justified Podcast and Post Show Recaps for the first time, welcome aboard. This is a crazy train that you have boarded here. Uh, as mentioned, I am Josh. This is Antonio. Antonio, a Kentucky native who is our, our expert on the ground here for all things Harlan County coming into this final season of Justified. Uh, if you missed out on what we've been doing recently, Antonio and I went back and we recorded some podcasts about every single season of Justified leading up to this final season of Justified. Uh, lots of fun over the past several weeks that we had talking about everything with Raylan and Boyd and Ava and everybody uh, just building up to this crazy climactic season premiere that we just finished watching, I don't know, five minutes ago, I think. Five, 10, 15, you somewhere know, in there. Very, very shortly. Uh, we, we just. This is post show recaps. That's that's the name of the game. Uh, and it was a big episode and so much to talk about and lots of sadness, but lots of laughs along the way too. Uh, just just to put it up front. This is your only spoiler warning. We are about to dive into the specifics of this episode. Fate's right hand, which was just a I thought an incredible hour of television, but of course ended really tragically. And I think we should talk about the big story right up front antonio josh where do you land on the bourbon versus tequila debate <laughs> that's the big story well i'm on team bourbon for sure is that i thought that was Te- the big story no Te- tequila makes me puke no, in my throat. no no first off of course bourbon and secondly dewey crow oh my gosh i'm gonna pour out some bourbon for dewey crow tonight oh, dead dewey dewey no a murder of crow unbelievable all yeah. the crows no more crows <laughs> yeah, that's a bloodline probably is better off being extinguished but still it was pretty hard to watch oh my god well i guess you know talk about like a totally justifying season five of justified you know the the big crow season of course because Dewey's only going to make it one episode into season six yeah which i mean it's great right because the stakes are that are just that high here we have a character who's been with us since the beginning of the series who's the comic relief in a lot of respects and ain't nobody got time for that in season six. Oh my god i you know i'm so bummed out it was it was uh it was real that's a real hard character to lose this this quick into the final season but at the same time, hell of a mission statement. What a what a way to kick this thing off and to let us know stakes are high, guys. This is this is the real deal now. Stakes are high and sizzling like that. It's it's Boyd Crowder knows exactly what the stakes are, and he knows almost all the elements of them, even though he doesn't know specifically where they are. And he absolutely was right that he couldn't trust Dewey Crow anymore. So. It had to be, unfortunately, sad as it was and and as poignant and poetic as it was with some great final words from Dewey Crow. It uh, it was it was not that it was not that it was easy to watch. That's a that's a great character going out. And I have a feeling if Justified wanted to, they could do this once an episode. There are so many great characters they have on the bench. The next one could be Win Duffy. Then we could follow with Dickie Bennett. Then we could follow with Limehouse. We could go through the whole season axing one character at a time. No, please don't (laughs) stop. I'm just saying I'm saying like that is the kind of sure. that's that's the that's the universe we're living in right now yeah absolutely and i think that that's good i i i really do i think it's good to be on the edge of your seat and i think you know outside of you know i mean 
there's certainly a bunch of characters that you could kill off in this premiere to kind of have uh, something of a similar impact. You know, we're not going to kill Raylan or Boyd or Ava in the first episode, but I guess you could kill Art. You could kill Tim. That would that would pack a punch. Kill Rachel. But I still think that there's something just about losing Dewey Crow here right out the gate that really lets you know that this this show means business right now. He's such a funny character. He brings so much heart. He has so much range. Uh, Damon Harriman, who plays the character, is so, 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 so good. And I think I think just losing that character who is such a fan favorite from day one, you know, part of the pilot uh, really, really does let you know what you're in for for the for the rest of this thing. So uh, I'm, I'm sad to see him go real, really ballsy choice to let him go here. So I don't know. I think you and I, as sad as we are, we both give this the stamp of approval. Yeah, it's certainly a tone setter when the king kills a jester, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, it, uh, it, I'm okay with that because that's the tone I want for my justified final season. I mean, that's that's absolutely out of the gate. What what we're looking for here is set set up what the stakes are and show us really. This is people are dying. Harlan is dying. It said multiple times throughout the episode to not have a body count in this first episode wouldn't make a ton of sense, uh, and it is all the more. It's driven all the more home by the fact that it's Dewey Crow. And it's setting the stakes that, you know, for the audience, it's kind of asking the audience, uh, you know, this 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 group of viewers who have, you know, hooted and hollered every time Boyd Crowder has done something badass over the years. Is this still a guy worth rooting for? Uh, this is this is a guy who just killed off, you know, a, a, a total, total dumb shit of a character. But he was our dumb shit. Uh, and Boyd is the guy who pulled the trigger really mercilessly, uh, you know, giving him the whole of mice and men treatment. So really makes you wonder about uh, how we're supposed to feel about Boyd going forward as well. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that final shot, of course, as well. But uh, wow, it's just it's a lot to take in right now. It is. But and and as much as the this premiere did things like introduce new characters or or show us what situations our other characters were in, uh, Dewey Crow was in some respects at the end of his story if he was out of jail, because he's not a guy who can walk around and stick his nose into Boyd's business and expect to just stay out of trouble. Even though he wanted it the way it was, Boyd is a different guy right now and he's in a different place than he was. And and Boyd tells Dewey that. But Dewey Dewey doesn't. I don't think one. I don't think Dewey wants to accept that he's. He's taking at signs, things that are, are probably not signs or maybe signs that he should stay away from Boyd. Uh, and, and he gets further involved and finds himself where he finds himself. So R.I.P. Dewey Crow. Yeah. To paraphrase the great Marlowe Stanfield, uh, Dewey wanted it one way, but it was the other way. That, that's exactly right. Um, all right. So let's dive into this thing. Let's let's just talk through the entire episode top to bottom. Again, I thought this episode was fantastic. I thought it, it was such a great tone setter for this final season and just filled with great moments for pretty much every single character and really set up, you know, kind of established the new status quo in, in a really great way as well. I thought so. So we begin in uh, we begin in Florida, I guess, because we're, we're hanging with Winona for the first time in a while outside of a Skype call. Yeah. Not uh, even on Skype. <laughs> it's on camera. Yeah. We're, we're like inside. Uh, I guess the, the daughter is Willa. Yeah, uh, I so, think that sounds about right. So we're inside Willa's crib looking up at Winona uh, and Winona is just loving life. Uh, you know, even though she's working the graveyard shift, uh, she she figures, you know, what in the world is worth missing this for? And, uh, you know, wondering about, uh, you know, Raylan and where the hell is he? And it turns out that uh, missing out on your kid growing up is worth missing for some time in Mexico, Mexico. We're back in Mexico. Yeah. And if you had 
will a POV shot uh, in your office pool for beginning season justified? A, you, you work in a pretty awesome office and I want to work with you. And B, you won the bet, but in a really obscure way. And I'm not sure why you bet that. So yes. <laughs> kudos to you, I guess. Uh, and it was, it was, I mean, it was very interesting because we sort of ended the season, not directly, but, but the last we saw of Winona, she, Raylan was telling her it's just a matter of time. And we kind of saw that in the previously on justified. So it, it serves, you know, is a good thing to set the stakes for where Raylan is and, and what Raylan has to look forward to if he can truly get out of this. And uh, it, again, I think that this is tough because I don't know how much Winona knows about what Raylan's doing, but uh, she knows it must be something good. And then we see Raylan in Mexico, which is usually not good, especially on this show. I think it's kind of funny, too, because Antonio and I recorded our season five rewatch podcast the night before this. And I think one of the things we brought up was like, eh, Mexico, what did you think about that? And so I was like, oh, great. We're, <laughs> we're back in Mexico immediately. Sit right here and have another beer in Mexico. Yeah, it was fun, though. I, I actually thought this scene was really good. Uh, you know, you get Raylan walking to the bar. You see the Federales who uh, tried to, you know, they took the bodies off of off of Boyd and uh, and uh, Dickie uh, and Daryl Crow. Uh, they have like the Johnny, the Johnny Crowder corpse and everything like that. So it's cool that Raylan is immediately tracking these guys down because, of course, this is if he can get them to to turn over a witness. This is a great way to to snag Boyd. Yeah. And again, if you had these guys as uh, the characters from season five that would show back up again, I want to I want to work at your office. But I I, I Lex, to me, Mexico looked a little bit like Lexington. I think that they've got a Mexington situation going on. A there. little bit of Mexington, a little bit of Mexington, maybe, because I don't know. It just looked like your standard honky tonk. I guess that Mexico has those. And I'm, I'm I've not been to Mexico. So uh, kudos to you guys if you have if you have regular honky tonks there. But I think that could have been any any street corner that that doubled for Lexington throughout the show. Yeah. Which is totally fine. Yeah. Uh, because I, I mean, I didn't connect that it was Mexico until he was inside the barn. You saw the federales. It's like, oh, yeah. OK, so here's here's where he is. And yeah. as soon as he starts complaining about tequila. Yeah. And that makes a, the, the guy he asked for Raylan asked for bourbon and the bartender just gives him a look like, are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> this is Mexico, cabron. I thought that was pretty great, though, when Ray, when the, the federale kind of wanders out because he won't he won't give Raylan what he wants. He tells him to get out of there. And then he wanders outside drunk at the end of the night. And Raylan's sitting there waiting for him. And as soon as he gets in his car, Raylan T-bones him and says, I told you I'd be in touch. I know. Classic Raylan. Classic Raylan. He took the hard way like he didn't have to do what he did. He could have stopped the guy and braced him at any point on the way to the car. Instead, he T-bones him. Yeah, he, he T-bones him and he throws him into the back of his trunk and he drives him to the United States. Yeah, where his uh, where his Marshall star does matter. Yeah, it, it means something. Uh, yeah. So that that was pretty crazy that that he went ahead and did that. I guess that's not the craziest thing we've seen Raylan do, but uh, it was very outside the box for, for Raylan Gibbons. Yeah, and of course he's... Art is not in charge anymore, and you get the impression that Ray, Rachel knows exactly that Raylan will do whatever Raylan has to do. So he's sort of free to do things this way, which I'm sure he's fine with. Yeah, you think Rachel's cool with this? Yeah, because she kind of smiles about it when he gets back. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't think, you know, over the past, you know, certainly like season one, Rachel would be not okay with this at all. Uh, she's come a long way, I guess. 
you almost get the impression, and we talked a ton on our on our season recap podcast, how Boyd and Raylan are like shadow characters. If you place them in the hierarchies in their particular organizations and you say Mary Steenburgen and, and Wynn Duffy are somehow ahead of Boyd or above Boyd on their hierarchy and they're using Boyd to kind of do dirty work, that's exactly, it seems like, what Rachel is using yeah, Raylan for. Totally. Do the dirty work. I don't have a problem. I don't want to know how you do it. I don't need to know your plan. I just know you're good at it. Go do it and come back and tell me what happened. Absolutely. Uh, so we get we go from there and we cut to Boyd, who is uh, what we'll we'll eventually find out. He's waking up on the day of like phase one of a bank heist, uh, which I, I thought it was a really cool scene, actually, to see just Boyd kind of waking up and going through his morning process. It seemed pretty simple. Uh, he's sleeping on the couch in his bar. So obviously, you know, things are not going well at home with Ava. Uh, I, th- I thought that that was that was all really a really good way of just getting that right out in front of us is things are not great with Boyd and Ava right now. Yeah, I think that's where the Lucinda Williams song plays, too, which is haunting. And, and it really is a good setup because I think that was intercut with some other things that were going on. And, and we know that we know that Boyd's kind of he's in a tough spot. You're right. He's sleeping on the couch. That's yeah. not all. That's never good. You never want to sleep on the couch. No, especially not at a bar. Coming from a married man who sleeps on the couch, fair amount. <laughs> oh, no, TMI. No, 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 no. This couch is very comfortable. That's yeah, really so what it comes down. You go into a pizza coma, what's going to happen? No, what really happens is like I finish this podcast and I uh, roll onto my couch and fall asleep and wake up and get to work. Somebody's got to watch the Mike Tyson mysteries. They're not going to watch themselves. They're not going to watch themselves. Uh, so then we, we get to see Boyd at the bank, uh, you know, quoting Thomas Jefferson as a Boyd Crowder is wont to do. Uh, <laughs> Just insulting bankers directly to yeah, their face. Amazing. Really yeah. great. Uh, and we see that obviously he is he is not here for legitimate reasons. He is here to follow up on the promise that that uh, that Catherine Hale discusses at the very end of season five, where she says, I know you're shit at heroin, but I hear you're awesome at robbing banks. Uh, so we're going to we're going to get a bank robbery later this episode. And this is the the this is the groundwork for that. Yeah. And I wasn't exactly sure what his game was when he was spraying the substance on the safety deposit boxes or the safe deposit boxes. I, I, I did not know specifically what he was up to, but that was a great payoff, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, because I'm, I'm actually still confused exactly what it was that happened there. Uh, so you can you can if you've got a clue, you can explain that later on. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, so we get, uh, we go through the credits. We go to Ava Crowder's house. Boyd is just, you know, he is, he is working, working around the house. I, did, does she say, where's Wallace to him at one point? <laughs> I, it's, I I don't know what the guy's name is. It sounded like Wallace. I heard where's Wallace, which <laughs> if so, just a great obscure, the wire reference, which I D- thought was very fun. Diablo Barksdale. Yeah. But I, I like that, uh, that Boyd is, you know, he's trying to do whatever he can to get back on Ava's good side, or at least on speaking terms with Ava, because they are really, you know, basically strangers and, and obviously Boyd, you get the sense that he still has feelings for her. And throughout the episode, I think you get the sense that Ava, you know, you don't get the sense, you know, that Ava is ripped up over her current situation. Yeah, there's a nice metaphor in this scene because Boyd is setting about to repair the damage that was done when he rained hell down in the form of the Mexican cartel at Ava's country home uh, in the previous season. So you get the idea that not too much time has passed. In fact, when we see Ava in kind of medium close up, you can still see the bullet holes on the posts behind her. Yeah. Uh, And Boyd's talking about just cutting doors and painting and fixing it up for her. And so I don't know if that's a form of penance for Boyd, like if if he feels like he owes that to her or what's going on there. But yeah, he's not staying there. And she's very clearly uncomfortable by his presence. But he kind of uh, kind of drops some bombs on her in this scene, doesn't he? 
Yeah, it's 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 crazy. You know, he's like, you know, if you want to talk about prison, I've been to prison. You know, honestly, baby, if you want to talk about anything uh, and she doesn't want to talk about anything. She yeah, no she way. just wants to drink vodka out of a coffee mug and make sure her guns at her side. That's pretty tough. Yeah. And it's not clear. At least it wasn't. I mean, it was clear to me in this in this moment that Boyd thought she was haunted by prison. And I think it, it becomes clear over the course of the episode that she's really haunted by Boyd and what Raylan needs her to do. Right, right. I mean. I don't know. I think I think the jury's still out in terms of how does she feel about Boyd. Um, I I don't. I'm not ready to say that like she doesn't have feelings for him anymore. No, because she he he does. And when I said drop some bombs later uh, in in kind of the continuity, it's later in the episode, but it's part of the same series of scenes. Uh, you know, on the on the porch. Boyd is saying to her, like, I, if, would you come away with me if I got a large sum right. of money? And she's saying, how large and where? And he's talking about Costa Rica and Brazil. Yeah. And so he white gives her he, white sand and blue water. Right. And she doesn't want any part of that. Doesn't want to hear it. He gives her a big speech about how Harlan's dying and he wants to get out and all that. She doesn't give Raylan any of that. She doesn't tell him that Boyd look, looks like he's targeting on something big. He wants to skip town afterwards. He's talking about a large sum of money. She doesn't give Raylan any of that information. Right. And and she's ignoring Raylan's repeated texts uh, to meet up at the beginning of the episode. So she's clearly not all on board with selling out uh, with selling out Boyd. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the you know, the, the debate is going to be, I think, how much of that is because she loves Boyd and how much of that is because she's afraid of a bullet to the head. Yeah, you know, that's true. Uh, you know, all of these things, you know, maybe she's not reporting on Boyd because she is very legitimately afraid for her own life. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Yeah. Uh, so we go to the marshal's office uh, and this is where we find out that the that the federale gave Raylan the name of a witness. And it just so happens to be Dewey Crow was there when Johnny Crowder was killed. Uh, and the joke ends up being on Raylan because Dewey Crow is about to be released again. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically because uh, they're they're arguing that he was harassed by Raylan. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And <laughs> I tell crazy. you that the I was joking defense is usually not a very good defense. Yeah. But it seems to work for Dewey Crow that that uh, undermines his confession for for killing Messer to an extent. Uh, and, you know, that uh, that's if, if you're Dewey Crow, that's a huge victory. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't understand the specific nature of that victory. No. What is he? So he just thinks he's untouchable. <laughs> he thinks he's untouchable <laughs> by I'm, state police, by federal police, by any police. I'm Teflon. Yes. You can't touch a hair on Dewey Crow's head. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So and not only that, Raylan has uh, he Dewey has a restraining order on Raylan. <laughs> so yeah. so Raylan's not supposed to get within a thousand feet of Dewey Crow. Uh, and, you know, Raylan's complaining about this to Rachel and Vasquez, AUSA Vasquez, who Vasquez seems to be of the mind that Rachel is based on what you were describing before, where Vasquez says to him, well, look, my boss is not going to let me let you go near De near Dewey. So what are you going to do about that? Right. So it's right. Basically just like, kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, just go go find Dewey. Yeah, uh, and, it, and and on some level, I, I appreciate that because Raylan's not the kind of guy that's always going to follow rules. But on the other, there's something to be said for Raylan's ghost coming back to haunt him uh, in a longer series or in a, uh, in a, in a story that was told at a slower pace, they might've put themselves in a situation where because of Raylan's previous decisions, emotional or otherwise related to Dewey Crow, they were unable to work a key witness in the case uh, because of Raylan's mistakes. That, that wasn't how this played out here, but it easily could have been. And that's, I think that's good because that shows Raylan's actions don't occur in a vacuum, right? Like he, right. the things he's done do have an impact, whether they're, 
from having a key witness walk uh, and then not allowing them to have any leverage over them and trying to get him to flip uh, to other things that happened throughout the course of this episode. And, and I'm sure beyond uh, Raylan's haunted by his past and by his mistakes. And these things are going to crop up from time to time. But I loved Raylan. He almost gave a similar speech uh, than that as Art did in Art's office about Raylan. When Raylan says about Dewey, he basically says, ah, cut him loose. He'll screw up eventually. Yep. And it's sort of like Art saying like, well, you just do what you do. Eventually, you're not going to be my problem anymore. Right, 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 right. It's just kind of like, well, people are their nature and their nature is going to lead them to be how they they will be. And at the end of that, uh, I can find Dewey Crow in another stupid situation. So I'll be able to take him out. And in some ways, Raylan isn't that different from Dewey Crow in that Art can say the same thing about him. Sure. Fair enough. Uh, So we we go to the prison. Dewey is walking free. He he drops to his knees. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, (laughs) And there's Raylan Givens immediately. (laughs) Como estas? So that that was great, and you know he's he's what what's this threat uh, that he's hanging over Dewey's head that Dewey's going to get extradited to Mexico and tried for murder because they have a witness that'll place him at the scene where a bunch of bodies were found, and I don't think that that's I mean that's obviously a lie. It's bullshit, right? Yeah, yeah, total lie. Which of course police are allowed to lie to you all they want uh, to try to get you to confess to something uh, or to do anything. That's perfectly a legal trick that's in their stable of tricks that they can pull off. So it's no surprise that Raylan is lying to Dewey, and Dewey buys it lock stock right away. Right. It's like when he deputized uh, Dewey. Yes. Same. Same exact kind of thing. Yeah. So that's. That's really good. You know, he knows that Dewey's an idiot and he can he can play these tricks on him. Yes. Uh, but, you know, even still, Dewey is not ready to turn. He's not going to say who killed Johnny Crowder. Uh, he, you know, Ray he, only, he, only, he only needs one thing. Yeah, he, he needs the only thing he needs is a six dollar blowjob. And he he says a smarter move. I cannot imagine. <laughs> that's that's right up there in, in the running for line of the episode. Uh, it was really, really funny. And then unfortunately, that six dollar blowjob is not coming his way because a Audrey's is closed. Uh, R.I.P. Audrey's. No more Audrey's. Well, there there is a, a bra and panties hanging on a clothesline. <laughs> yeah, he takes he takes the purple panties off the clothesline. And the other great discovery, of course, is his family heirloom, the turtle dog that had been uh, taken by by two of the prostitutes at Audrey's that he had given them to. And they kind of just threw away, probably. Uh, so the turtle dog, the, the prized heirloom is just in this pile. So Dewey is, you know, he feels like he's seen a sign. Like a phoenix rising from the ashes. <laughs> a turtle Crow. dog is back. Oh, man, this was a great final episode for Dewey Crow. You can't be mad at this. No, no, I agree. I agree. You know, Dewey Crow's final hour is, uh, um, I, I mean, I'm obviously very, uh, recency bias is playing a factor, but a, a finer episode of Justified, it's, it's hard to think of right now. I'm, I, I'm, this is a, especially for Dewey Crow. This uh, is a great tribute to the character. So good. Yeah. And I guess, and of course he took the panties. Yeah. So he takes the panties. He takes the turtle dog. He goes to the, to the diner to, to contemplate the meaning of all of this. And it turns out that one of the prostitutes who's, he can't remember if her name was Nina or Tina. It doesn't matter because her name is actually Abigail. Uh, so she's working at the diner. She's a waitress. Uh, she's offering him a special. He thinks it's probably the $6 blowjob. It's not. She's dating someone now uh, who I guess Dewey said that he he kicked this guy's ass. Was that something that I... That was the guy who was wearing the alligator necklace, the alligator tooth necklace. Oh, Dewey, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that, yeah. that was the other family heirloom that Dewey beat him down when he saw it and took it off of him. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's, he sees her and he kind of figures that, you know, uh, this is a sign. This is all fate. 
uh, he he you know he gave her the the turtle dog. She lost it. He's found it. Now he's found her, and he says it's my son. And he gives her a big kiss, and he runs away. So Dewey Crow is on the hunt. He thinks that something great is happening. Yes, uh, unfortunately, well, well, we'll see where that ends up. Goose <laughs> chase, I think, is not, what it ends up. Not, with. It ends up with well. a ringer and some dirty undies, the not, lights. Not well, not well, not well. Uh, so we get to the scene that you just talked about, where boy, it is. Uh, you know, he's painting the rail, so he's really working around the house at Ava's right now. Uh, and Ava is actually on her way out. She's she's got her old job at the hair salon back, uh, but before she leaves, Boyd wants to have a minute with her. And he talks about how, yeah, Harlan's dying. He says, uh, while you were locked up, I had a lot of time to think and look around and Harlan's dying. Miners, all of the stores, they're closing. There's no money. There's no work. Nothing that's worth having here. No offense. Uh, and yeah. every, everyone's given up. Everyone's selling. Everyone's moving on. And if there's a chance for Boyd and Ava, it's not here. Uh, so this is, this is where he says, you know, Costa Rica, Brazil, somewhere with white sand and blue water. Let's go. Uh, and you could see it on her face where she's just like, she's like, I feel like she's seconds away from saying, Boyd, don't tell me any of this stuff. I, I can't know any of this stuff. Yeah. And, and that, I don't know if it's because she doesn't want to know because she knows that Raylan will know that she knows something uh, or what the deal is. But uh, yeah, she, she's very uncomfortable with it. She's super uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it, Boyd says, if we stay in this ghost town together, otherwise, how long until we become ghosts ourselves? And uh, that goes right back to the whole, you'll never leave Harlan alive theme. So I uh, hope that's yeah. not foreshadowing for the rest well, of the season. Ava, Ava breaks off a pretty a pretty telling line when she says you act like we're not dead already yeah yeah that's yeah, pretty yeah. rough yeah that's rough that's tough uh so ava leaves ava goes to the hair salon and we get our first ava raylan scene of the season because ava has not been returning raylan's calls uh and he sneaks up on her at the hair salon she says you can't do that you can't sneak up on me he says well first off i didn't sneak and second yeah i can uh, so we're seeing, you know, Raylan in this authority role with Ava, which I got to tell you, man, it makes me uncomfortable seeing Raylan treat Ava like this. But I mean, I, I guess it's how it has to be. To yeah, I think so, because if she doesn't give them any good information, it's not going to be Raylan that sends her back to jail. There's going to be too much pressure from Vasquez and from Rachel and from Tim and from people that don't have the connection to Ava that Raylan does. Right, right. So, she's so not- Raylan's trying to he's trying to do anything he can to get her to give any information that she's got because he wants to help her help herself. Right. And she's just not giving him anything right now. And it's it's, you know, not enough. And I mean, what does she say? Like, well, he bought a tow truck. Great. That's good. Yeah, it's not very helpful, but as a matter of fact, we'll we'll come to see how not helpful that is. Yeah, I mean, it really kind of sets Raylan and Tim off on the wrong road. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And Raylan tells her that he is setting up a command post at Arla's, which I feel like is a curious choice. If Raylan is trying to keep a low profile to have his command post at Arla's, don't you think that that might be a place that's on Boyd's radar? Uh, definitely. So I don't know. Maybe Raylan's not thinking uh, so clearly this season so far. No, and I don't know exactly why. I mean, he needs to be close to her, so I don't know what, a better place. And I guess if it came down to it, he would at least have some defensible reason for being there. He does own the house. So that makes some sense, I guess. But when a T and Tim sitting there and, yeah. and we'll see later on what happens, uh, they get a visitor. Uh, it's not exactly the safest place. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, so we go to Boyd's bar and this is it's it's the great first scene between Boyd and Dewey. Uh, there's a great line here that I, I thought was ridiculous. I'm so hungry. Yeah. 
Boyd, Boyd says, I'm so hungry I could eat the ass out of a low-flying duck. Yeah, I don't know why a low-flying duck's uh, or posterior. The ass. Why the ass? Well, that's the part. That's that You'd have to be really hungry to want that. I guess. Oh, my God. Don't eat the butt. Well, Just I duck, as I, a general rule, try not to eat the butt if you can. <laughs> I think pork butt's probably pretty good. Pork butt's pretty good. I don't know how duck butt is. <laughs> I've, I've heard of duck butter, but not necessarily yeah, duck butt. I've heard of duck butter, not duck butt. But I, I mean, I've heard of a duck, but I haven't heard much about eating duck butt. But again, I don't understand the low flying either. Why yeah. is that the modifier? Is it is it is the implication that the ass of a low flying duck would taste worse than the ass of a high flying duck? No, I think that he's saying that, you know, maybe he's just not hungry enough that he could reach a high flying duck, but a low <laughs> flying duck he could pluck out of the sky. Oh, OK, OK, OK. I, <laughs> I think that might be it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, so here comes Dewey, who has a great opening line, which is, Boyd, I come in peace. <laughs> Take me to your leader. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, God. These are, not the, these are not the boys you are looking for, no, Dewey. Oh, no, they are not. Uh, and Boyd has all sorts of questions for Dewey because he, I think that he feels the news tightening already. Uh, yeah. Getting the sense that something is fishy. And certainly, what the hell is Dewey doing out of prison? It's already fairly improbable based on how it actually played out. But, you know, Boyd is is very right to be afraid of Dewey right now, I think. Sure. Um, so, you know, he's got all sorts of questions. But his shibboleth is what? ARS Live Champagne Jam? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I never I never heard that before. But the, uh, the Atlanta Rhythm Section. There you go. I, yeah. I, I guess I got a I got some music wrecks out of you got some. This. You got some Southern rock you got to catch up on. There you go. Uh, and Dewey, he's just like, I just, I want to, I want to make this work again. I want to come back. My turtle dog's back. That means I'm back. Uh, and it's just, it's so funny. And, and Boyd is just not, not ready for this. Dewey says, I want you to trust me again. And, uh, Boyd not having it right now. He gets, he tells Carl to pick Dewey up and show him, show him the door. Yeah, it's, it is awfully hard to believe. Like you said, it, how'd you get here by bus? I, I walked halfway, you know, and then I took the body. He, it, the whole story just doesn't make a lot of sense. And Dewey Crow basically says they can't touch me on account of my civil suit and all that stuff. And it's like, OK, maybe there's some maybe there's something wrapped up there. But right. when you're just telling me you want back in and you want me to trust you, that's classic. Like, don't do that because he probably is ratting you out kind of thing. I know. And the dichotomy with Dewey Crow is like on the one hand, he's too stupid to lie. Yes. Uh, like, you know, you know, Dewey Crow well enough at this point that whatever he's saying is probably true or exaggerated and the lies are see through. But the other problem is that everything he says is so grandiose that it's impossible to believe uh, yes. that, you know, you have to weigh like which which version of Dewey are you accepting right now? Are like these tall tales that he's telling right now actually true because he has a hard time lying and you feel like you would see through it at this point? Or do you feel like these tall tales are just tall tales? So uh, it's a it's a really tough guy. And, you know, Boyd is Boyd is really great at reading people. But in this situation, I feel like he's just very frazzled and it's it's hard to get a good read and better safe than sorry. Yeah. And part of it, too, though, is we, we saw the loss that Boyd suffered at the end of last season with losing Jimmy, who was one of his, you yeah. know, Right-hand man is number two, ultimately. And he's his crew is significantly decreased. He still has Coral, but after Coral, he doesn't really have a ton of people. Right. So it's really difficult. He's, he could probably use a Dewey Crow, as we see in this episode, for some things. And, and we'll see how that comes to fruition. Yeah, but the other thing, too, is that like Boyd's operation is at such a level at this point that he actually can't afford Dewey Crow. Right. Uh, you know, he he needs he needs loyal men. He needs men who are willing to you know do whatever Boyd says. 
But these guys got to have at least a little bit of brains. They got to have a lick of smarts. And Dewey Crow, that's not the guy. That's not although, the guy you want. Although Dewey was perfect for the mission that he gets set on. I, yeah, for for this. You know, he's a he's a great uh, fall guy. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go to Arlo's. And I I mean, right away, you get a scene of, of Tim and Raylan drinking beers together at Arlo Givens' old house. Thumbs up. Uh, Thumbs up. <laughs> very happy about this. I'm feeling pretty good about the use of the marshals this season. Yeah, Rachel has a key role to play, and that that makes sense. Tim being kind of side by side with Raylan makes sense. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead in this episode, but I don't know to what extent we're gonna we're gonna carry through some of what Tim has done. But he, he kind of screws up a little bit in this one, and we'll see where that how that plays out. If that's something that lingers or or where that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you know they're they're enjoying some beers, and then somebody's outside, and it's somebody that Raylan's never seen, and I guess Raylan. Has- has uh never seen deadwood which is awkward which is uh, never seen deadwood uh, at least two separate characters in deadwood right and you know two separate characters that he interacted with quite, <laughs> yes, quite extensively a, quite a lot uh but yeah here's garrett dillahunt who is a phenomenal 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 actor from a lot of stuff very famously from deadwood uh he was uh, a terminator on terminator the sarah Chron- connor chronicles uh among many many other highlights the highlight reel is pretty endless for this guy uh great character actor and it was he was one of the exciting casting announcements going into season six and i'm i'm wondering if if you have a handle on who this guy is that he's playing here you know he shows up basically offering to buy the uh Raylan's house out of hand right on the spot with a with a you know a suitcase of cash uh by today he means immediately um so so what are you thinking about this guy that garrett Dillhunt's playing well, I I think the scene was meant to play with just an edge of menace. I think in in the way that that Elmore Leonard characters are so good, there was there was kind of a friendly banter between Raylan and and this character. However, that friendly banter was also with a little bit of a side of menace. There was something going on. He had driven a really nice, expensive car right up through a field uh, and just kind of stood there with a briefcase full of cash. And Raylan was not responding to him well in terms of him being there, and he was just kind of shaking it off and and saying, oh, you don't want a bona fide purchaser for your land? Well, I'll tell you what, I was just doing some scouting here. I assume it's still for sale. And he's very slick. And Raylan sees <laughs> sees right through it and knows he's got to have some ulterior motive. And what really tipped me off was at the end of the scene when Garrett Dillahunt says, you know, if you change your mind, look me up. You won't have any trouble finding me. Yeah, well. It's like, well, that's pretty menacing, right? That's fairly ominous. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I I don't really know where this story is going uh, ba- based on this one scene. I mean, and I guess that, you know, there's so much else that's going on in this episode that it's, you know, maybe just a very slight introduction to whatever story this is going to be throughout season six. But right now, I just I don't have a sense of what Dillahunt is representing here. Neither do I. And he was unknown to Raylan. So he's not just some kind of Harlan County guy uh, who's local. You know, he's about Raylan's age. He's not somebody I think that you would have that Raylan necessarily knew. Yeah, I think doesn't, he said he's from Maryland. He claimed he was from Maryland. Right. Yeah. And I don't how, know if that's how, yeah, true or how much not. we buy that. Whatever. There's a lot there. There's the there's always Detroit, right? Detroit is always a character, this kind of menace that's off in the distance uh, in in most seasons of Justified. So there's always that element. There's also the Catherine Hale element played by Mary Steenburgen. We saw her come in late in the season in season five, uh, and we don't have any idea who her people are. We don't know if she's got a crew. We don't know if she's got enforcers, if she's got hitmen, wet work, button men. We don't know anything about what she does. So. Totally. 
it's entirely possible he's related to her. I wouldn't say he's likely related to when Duffy we've seen pretty much Duffy's about a one or maybe two man operation uh, and a Winnebago. That's about it for when. Uh, so there's a lot of possibilities out there. Um, so so we leave this scene and we go to drug dealer Cyrus's house. So how, how do Raylan and Tim know that they need to rough this guy up? I think that uh, when they're drinking beers there in uh, in Arlo's house, Raylan sees Raylan and Tim are going over some photos and Tim has been surveilling Boyd. He's been kind of sitting on Boyd to an extent and Boyd had met with him and Tim had taken pictures of it. So they knew that Cyrus had something to do with Boyd and they were trying to figure out what it was. Right. Okay. So by taking him out, that's really bad because Boyd has something to do immediately and Cyrus is a part of it and Cyrus is not answering his phone uh, and no, nobody's happy about this. And that means that Boyd needs somebody on the cheap and quick. And that is going to be Dewey Crow's specialty. Uh, who's for some reason in the other room playing pool. Yeah. It just refuses to leave. Yeah. It refuses calling his, calling his shots. Refuses out. to walk away from his certain demise. Yeah. Uh, classic, you know, if Dewey Crow has to die, that's the way he's got to go. Yep. Uh, so, so yeah, he, you know, Boyd says, Dewey, you want back in? I got a job that needs doing. Uh, it says anything you want, Boyd. Anything? Hell yeah! <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah oh, and, Dewey, just walking into a disaster. Speaking of walking and disasters, did we get a tidbit in the next scene at the beginning of the next scene? Then from Raylan talking about Dewey. Did he say something about working at Disney dressed as Goofy in a water skiing show? Yeah, he said that that's something that Dewey told him one time. <laughs> <laughs> that Dewey was a goofy at Disney World. I love uh, it. It feels like the writer's room is just emptying out their Dewey Crow basket. I feel like, I feel like that may have been on the show before. I'm I'm scratching my head trying to trying to pull that line, but it doesn't sound like wildly unfamiliar. Or maybe that's just so perfectly Dewey Crow that it sounds absolutely correct. Yeah, I mean, one way or the other, I I just like the idea that that it was just a little character factoid they maybe had sitting around about Dewey Crow for a while, and they thought, well, <laughs> you know what, he's dying this episode. Let's find a way to get that in there. Right. Uh, so so Dewey is gonna be he's gonna be part of Boyd's operation that's about to kick off. Uh, Raylan and Tim, they basically they have a choice to make: do they follow Boyd or do they follow Dewey? They make the wrong call and they follow Dewey. It's Tim's call. Yeah. I mean, Tim Raylan kind of says to Tim, follow Boyd or follow Dewey. And Tim says, let's follow Dewey. Is it just him? They don't both. They don't both say, let's go Dewey. I, I mean, they, they, I, I think Raylan leaves it up to Tim because later in the episode, Raylan's like, nice call Gutterson. And Tim looks really upset because he looks like he blew it. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that Raylan is just going to be, uh, Pretty pretty easily annoyed all season long is my prediction. I don't, I don't think that's going too far out of the realm. Well, of and to be fair, I, I don't remember exactly how it played out, but I'm sure Raylan probably would have followed Dewey as well because he just can't resist just breaking and shaking down Dewey Crow. Right. What happens if they if they follow Boyd? They they bust him right then and there. It's over. I think that's right. Yeah. So that sucks. <laughs> that would have been a very short final season of Justified. Man, Justified season yeah. six is over. Yeah. Okay. And we're not getting started. Yeah. because it was only one episode and we're done and, <laughs> and it's over uh <laughs> did you like dewey crow driving in the tow truck blasting uh acdc i Are guess you, he didn't get raylan's uh memo to loretta yeah I don't, that's a good point i guess he didn't but i mean this is a guy who he just wants to live life to the fullest and i don't know a fuller way to live life than to bang around a tow truck listening to acdc bang in black <laughs> 
yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, it it, it's uh, it, it it's Dewey Crow was he was lustful almost. He was just he was really living up his driving that tow truck around. I don't know if Raylan Hare, if Boyd had instructed him to do that, uh, or if that was just something he was he was feeling so good about being back in all the way. Hell yeah, yeah. What a terrible driver, by the way. Well, he's, he's like never s- swerving all over the road. Never known for his driving. No, no. And so he, he rolls up to this police roadblock uh, and he's just like, oh, crap. What do I do? What do I do? I have this important cargo in the car. Uh, and so he, he has no choice. He just has to keep going. And <laughs> this is just the greatest. Uh, the cop says license and registration. And Dewey, not today, my friend. I'm Dewey goddamn crow. Uh, and what does he say? He's not getting pulled over for gender malfeasance. He says negligence and malfeasance or mal- <laughs> malfeasance. He, he doesn't say either word correctly. Is all. I think he says malfeasance and he says negligence. Well, I, I had the uh, subtitles on and they were both in quotes because they were not actually real words. Yeah, I said. heard him say gender malfeasance. <laughs> which is just so good who knows and he just blasts through and like even the cop for a second does not know what to do just because that was such a ridiculous encounter and it takes him a second before he you know pulls out his gun and shoots at the tires uh at at the tow truck's tires but it's so funny that dewey at the roadblock is just such a classic moment yeah i don't think he expected thelma and dewey's (laughs) i don't think anyone ever expects thelma and dewey's oh it's so good uh and so dewey like he drives off the side of the road uh he's you know at the bottom of this ditch he's mostly okay his pride is wounded pretty soon uh some other stuff is going to get injured Raylan and tim catch up to him and they're pulling him out of the car and dewey is still just no you can't touch me i'm teflon yeah i really thought dewey crow was going to be dead in that car accident i thought that's how it was going to end for dewey crow that would have been you know very uh wade messer like you know just really suddenly kind of out of nowhere uh, in this sort of really anticlimactic way. That would have been a really just kind of sudden death for Dewey. Yeah, and it was almost guns blazing, though, because he'd he'd, he'd barreled down the road with the ACDC, just yeah. swerving one side or the other. He'd blown through the roadblock. It would have been just kind of a die on a high note, Dewey Crow. Yeah, true Thelma and Dewey's. Yeah, can't get anything out of him, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, but no, there's there's more hell to pay for Dewey right now. Yeah, in, in a nice callback to the first episode, right? Yep, yeah. Great callback to the first episode. Raylan smashes Dewey's face into the steering wheel. Uh, he breaks his nose and his jaw, uh, which is just horrible. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible way for Dewey to go. Yeah, well, it, it's not unexpected. You you mess with Raylan Givens, you get the horns. Yeah, basically the car horns. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's what I was going for. Yeah, I gotcha. I know you. Nice. You do know me too well. Uh, so yeah, so they open up the bag that Dewey's transporting, and it's just a bag of dirty laundry. Yes, it's a ringer. Uh, dirty undies the yeah. whites yeah that sucks that sucks so so dewey got the decoy bag and then we go and we see the bank robbery so so w- we get the bank robbery we, we know that they're they're targeting this specific set of uh security deposit boxes uh so what was the spraying at the beginning of the episode could you did you figure that out i mean i guess it was just kind of just the, marking the, it 
Yeah, no, it's like the sort of thing, yeah, that you would spray on at, like a crime scene to detect fingerprints or, or certain things like that that you do. I don't know exactly what substance it would have been, but then he showed up with a UV light. And since he had sprayed the substance all over the safety deposit boxes, then I guess he could see which ones had been recently accessed when he came back in there either the next day or however many days later it was when he applied the UV light. And that's exactly what he did. He saw what bank of, of safe deposit boxes had been accessed in the way that he needed to see. I don't know exactly what he was looking for, uh, but he he found what he was looking for. They drove up, they pulled a winch into the safe deposit room and pulled the the fronts right off the boxes and took four boxes out and left. Right. I mean, I, I think we can we could put together pretty easily based on the contents of the boxes that whatever it was, he was very specifically ordered to go and get. Uh, yeah, and and it's interesting because when they start looking through the boxes, there's an empty kind of box on the on the table that has it's been tossed aside, and it's got like a passport and some some papers and things like that. So I don't think he was exactly sure which of the four boxes they took was the one, and they're kind of going through them looking for them, and they expected to find money. I think. Yeah, well, Boyd's crew is pissed because yeah. there's no money. Uh, yeah. It's just all of this this paperwork that obviously is very important to I assume Catherine Hale because she's the one who set him off at, at the end of season five to go and rob some banks. So I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. That's obviously going to be something that needs some uh, pretty serious follow through. Yeah, I'm thankful that it was a bank robbery and not a hotel robbery, because if you put the same circumstance down, oh. boy goes and sprays up a room and then shows up with a UV light. I don't want to see the results of that. Oh, man, he'd find something grosser than duck butt, I think. Yeah. you could say pretty, <laughs> pretty safely. Thankfully, hopefully he wouldn't be hungry when he showed up. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't want to go there. Uh, so, yeah, so Raylan and Tim, they show up to the scene of the crime way too late. And yeah, Tim's Tim's bombed and Raylan's bombed. Everyone's bombed. I don't think Tim's going to take too much heat for this. No, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't feel like. I mean, Tim's so good at everything anyway. I mean, it might cause some friction between Raylan and Tim, but I think Raylan is just going to be very. You know, Raylan on his best day is irritable, but I think that he's really going to be irascible all season long. He's got this this one last thing he's got to do, and then he gets to go and be with his family. Uh, and I think that you know, obviously, we have at least twelve more episodes uh, of of you know shit for Raylan to have to wade through, and it's just going to get more and more frustrating for him. I'm sure. Yeah, if anything, I think Tim's more likely to take it out on himself. Yeah, definitely. That seems like Tim's move. Yeah. Yeah, he he's not uh, you know, he's not easy on himself. Yeah, and and that uh that is that is something we'll see we'll see if that plays out. That's an interesting thing to watch. Uh so we a little bit later we it's nighttime it's on that you know that iconic bridge that's always on on this show. Is that is that an actual bridge? You've said before that that that's a that's a legit bridge, right? No, I don't remember saying that. I don't know that it is. I mean, it looks like it could be, but uh, but it, I, I'm sure it's a bridge in California somewhere. Yeah, I'm just going to pretend that you said that because it's happier in, in my mind. It's it's a real point. bridge. It's in Harlan County, Kentucky, and yeah. it's where they shoot the whole show. Well, obviously, that bridge has been on the show a ton. You know? Yeah, that's the bridge, it's right? The, yeah. It's the bridge. It's almost kind of, uh, I, I guess they probably just have to use that, that set piece because otherwise I have to imagine Raylan and Ava meeting at the spot where all of the criminals meet meet up probably not a great place for them to be meeting up no probably not probably not it's the last place you would think yeah i guess for not good reasons yeah i guess uh so yeah so Raylan is pissed at ava because you know obviously they missed out on something big that boyd just did this big bank robbery and like the 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 possibilities in both directions are not great. You know, either Ava was in on it and held out on Raylan, and that would be very bad and worth throwing her back into jail for, 
or Ava didn't know, and that means Ava's not cozying up to Boyd, and that means she's not going to get the juice on Boyd that Raylan needs, and she's got to go back to jail. So either way, Ava's not doing the right stuff. Yeah, and and that it's not good for Ava because she's not going to be able to cut the deal she cut and just expect to kind of dance around in the middle line between these two and not give Raylan or the feds anything. She's actually going to have to do this. Yeah, she's got to do it. Otherwise, yeah. she's got to go back to jail. So, yep. you know, one way or the other. And, and I thought that Raylan's pep talk to her was was um, it was a great callback to season one. I wonder how effective it was. But, you know, he, he mentions like all of the details about what she had told him about the days leading up to killing Bowman Crowder uh, and how, like, you know, you you set the table, you made the dinner, you made the whole spread. It was his favorite stuff. And she said, yeah, he was delighted. He never saw it coming. And Raylan says it's cause he believed you uh, because, you know, he would never suspect otherwise. Everything was the way it was. Uh, and uh, he says, see, I, I know you. You can do this and you damn well better. Uh, so that's the pep talk that Raylan gives Ava. Uh, Ava. Ava's got to figure out what to do with all that. Yeah. And I more than anything, I think that that's what I like most about this premiere episode is there were so many things, whether it was smashing Dewey Crow's head on a steering wheel or whether it was the the discussions with Ava, uh, seeing Boyd's tattoos just throughout. There were so many things that uh, Boyd and Dewey's discussion is chief among them that's coming up that harken back to the first episode of the series that I thought to to kind of bookend their their final season premiere uh, in such a way uh, so that it bookended with the first season's premiere, I thought was really, really compelling and a very interesting choice that was made. And I thought it really shone through throughout. And it really brought the characters to a really great point by kind of summarizing everything that they'd done or uh, allowing them the opportunity to look back on the past that they'd taken, just like we're, we're, we're doing right now. Totally. Absolutely. Uh, I also really liked this, this next scene. Well, the next scene was the, was Boyd and everyone discovering the paperwork. We, we covered that, but I really loved the scene with Raylan coming to art uh, and art is still recovering from his gunshot wound from season five. Uh, he is, you know, he's bored. So he's keeping up to date on everything that's going on with the Crowder case. Uh, Raylan pours him a whiskey uh, and, and art says doctor recommended. Raylan says maybe civil war doctor recommended. Uh, which I thought was pretty yeah, cool. that was Blanton's bourbon, yeah. uh, which I've been to the distillery. It is a really cool hand. It's kind of hand bottled and hand labeled and very small batch. So it's a, it's some of the good stuff for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, Raylan Givens is not going to bring art the bad stuff. No, no, that's not, that's not how Raylan rolls to begin with. And certainly no. art is worthy of some really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they have, they have a cool talk about, you know, why Raylan doesn't just walk up to Boyd and just challenge him straight up. You know, why not just end this thing now? Uh, and art's basically like, well, you could do that, but you'll probably go down to Florida uh, to go to jail rather than going to be with your family. Or the other way is that you try to challenge Boyd and you fail and the bullet finds you. And, yeah. And Raylan just, you know, so smarmy, uh, unlikely. Uh, and art says, I know you think so, uh, but if you'll allow me, you get to be my age and you do the job as long as you do. And sometimes it just doesn't go your way. And honestly, art would know based yeah, on he, everything that just happened to art. It kind of happened. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Um, that, uh, it, it's really it's really interesting because I I don't know if art is I mean obviously art is speaking directly from the writers' room but those are you know, those are three very plausible ways for this season to play out totally. uh, and and I don't know if they said well you know what let's just get all these out there right on the table these are the things we've been thinking about let's talk about possible outcomes and art's no dummy he would absolutely be able to deliver those possible outcomes to Raylan and see the whole board especially since he's on the sidelines and not caught up in it and of course I think that's why Raylan is going to him for guidance and for this sort of consigliere or like, I don't know what the role is, but he's getting guidance from art uh, like you would a father figure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, art is he's laying it on. And I, I think you're right. I think it's a message from the writer's room. And those do seem like the outcomes. You know, he could play it straight. He could he could continue this investigation to Boyd and finally get something on Boyd to put him behind bars or he could challenge Boyd. He could kill Boyd. He could go to jail or he could die. Raylan could die. It's a possibility. Uh, I hope not, but it's it's a possibility. So uh, good to have that all on the table, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's the arc of Raylan Givens that's been bending since the beginning of the series, and it's long. It's long, so and we don't know if it bends toward justice or not, uh, and and we'll see exactly how that plays out, but he always maneuvers himself into this position where he can kill or be killed. That's kind of his M.O., so Art is saying, like, you can continue to do that, but this might, this might be what happens. You might actually get killed, or you might go to jail. All right, well, let's talk about somebody who does actually get killed, unfortunately. Oh, no. We're here. We're here. Let's move. Let's let's move right into it. Uh, it's it's the final stand of Dewey Crow. He he rolls up on Boyd at the bar. Uh, he's he's furious that he got set up with this, you know, this crummy job. Uh, and Boyd, you know, says, you know, the job was important. You know, if not for you, our you know, this big thing wouldn't have worked out. What happened to your jaw? <laughs> you know, what happened to your yeah. face? Uh, and, you know, Raylan broke my jaw. And that, I think, sends a, a big flag uh, up for Boyd. It's like, why did Raylan break your jaw? And I, I don't think the question is even, you know, so much, you know, Dewey says, I don't know why, but I don't think the question is even so much like, why did Raylan hit, why did Raylan hit you in the face? Uh, because obviously, I mean, it's very easy to understand why someone would hit Dewey in the face. I think the question is, why did Raylan hit you in the face? Right. What, what is Raylan doing in this? Right. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think that that's, that's an interesting tell that, that Raylan seems to, that, that Boyd seems to know that Raylan is on the case right now. Yeah, and we had some feedback, and you can always send us feedback at postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. We had feedback from Hunter Shaw, one of our loyal listeners, and Hunter asked, when did you guys know that Dewey was going to die? And for for me and for Hunter, it was that scene in the diner. Hunter was like, boy, they're sure showing Dewey a lot, uh, and this is probably his last hurrah. It's like on Survivor or a reality show when someone gets a bunch of confessionals, a bunch of talking that episode, you figure it must be the time they get booted. Definitely when he started talking about the old days, which is the scene we're talking about now, you knew he had to be a goner. And I, I, for me, I, I kind of felt like that. As I said, I thought he was going to die in that car accident. Were you pretty sure when Boyd was sniffing him out in this scene, Josh, that, uh, that this was the end for Dewey Crow? Yeah, it, it's, and I, I would, I'll admit that like throughout the episode, it, it did dawn on me, like this would be a good swan song for Dewey Crow. This has been a great Dewey Crow episode. I kind of feel like the character has run his course. In fact, that's something you and I talked about as recently as yesterday when we were recording our season five podcast, uh, that Dewey's final scene, you know, getting carted off to jail and getting a little bit of wisdom from Raylan, that would have been a good final scene for Dewey Crow. So you and I were ready to say goodbye to Dewey. 
And as this episode is playing out and he's, you know, running around and being such a goof and it's really just a, a classic Dewey Crow episode, uh, I was starting to think, you know, I could see it happening here. I really don't think so because I, I, you know, I don't feel like I don't feel like anyone has the balls to, you know, get rid of Dewey Crow. Certainly not with, you know, so many episodes left in the season. But by the time we roll up to this scene, and especially with the, the you know, the final few moments of, of Dewey Crow, it really does feel, oh, God, Dewey Crow's about to die. This is one thing that he's just not going to be able to get out of. Yeah, and it's it's really tough because what ultimately killed Dewey Crow was him being Dewey Crow in every sense of the, in, in every sense of that phrase. He was so honest and so real and so emotional and so vulnerable in this scene with Boyd saying this happened to me and I'm at the end of my rope. And all that, that Boyd saw was weakness and all that Boyd saw was that vulnerability. And all that Boyd saw was that someone like Raylan Givens could absolutely play on that and use it against Boyd. And he realized that in showing all of that to Boyd, that the Dewey needed to go, and because yeah, Dewey, Dewey could show all that to Raylan. Yep, and or and, and Raylan would would just like Boyd, since they're shadow characters, he would sniff it out, just like just like Boyd did. Yeah, and he would know right away, like Dewey Crow is really weak right here. Or, this is a way I can get it, Dewey Crow. And and Raylan, uh, when Boyd when Boyd recognized that Raylan could do that, I think that was it for Dewey Crow. So he was undone by being sensitive and by being emotional and by being all the things we've come to know that Dewey Crow is as a character. Uh, so it was, it was very fitting in that respect. Is there any part of you that thinks that there was some measure of, you know, sadness or fondness uh, in, in Boyd's final moments with Dewey? Like, do, do you think that there's any, any sense of, I wish I didn't have to do this? You know, I, I'm, I, I think that the comparison to, of mice and men is, is pretty apt because, you know, there's the whole look at, look out the lake, think about the rabbits, you know, look at the, in this case, look at the picture of, of these, these old Harlan originals and look at the dreams in their eyes. Uh, and he plugs them there. So he gives them like this really happy thought to hang on to and distracts him and then just plugs him right there. And that's, you know, as, as far as people dying on justified goes, that's a fairly peaceful way to go. Yeah. And, and I, I think that Boyd gave him that. I agree with you that I think that there was a little bit of that in that. I think that by referencing the good old days, I, I don't think Boyd was falsely sentimental about that. I think Boyd knows that there that's sort of like uh, it's just not real. Like it's a dream. There's not any way to get back to that. They've come too far down the road and those good old days where everything was much simpler and they were just kind of doing those crazy things that Dewey was talking about with the pork brothers and all they were up to. Uh, those are, those days are long gone. Yeah. He said, it seems like those, those days may be gone forever. Yeah. And Boyd knows that. And I think that that doesn't mean he's not sensitive about it, that he's not nostalgic for those times, but I do think that he knows that, that they've moved on from that. And I think that sense of nostalgia is why, why he, he takes Dewey out the way he does. And I think, like I said, I think there's a lot of poetry in it. I think that it's uh it's definitely hard for Boyd, uh, but he's sort of angry about it too. When he tells Carl to get the body out of there. Right. He's very, he's right back to business yeah. where he says, yep. you know, wait 20 minutes until after I leave. I know people are watching me and then 20 minutes after I leave, you roll him up in a carpet and you make him disappear. So poor Dewey isn't, you know, he's just going to be one of the many characters just down the bottom of a mine shaft. 
Yep. Just uh, another victim. But, you know, it was it was such a terrible, terrible, terrible moment. And, uh, you know, we we are we are recording this podcast very, very shortly after the episode ends. But, uh, you know, we a good friend of our podcast, Brendan Fitzpatrick, I know, is watching the episode right now. And Antonio, I know you saw this come in with Brendan tweeted at us just no, <laughs> no, 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 no. And immediately, you know what he's talking about. So, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like any any uh, justified fan, anyone who's been with the show for this long had that same exact reaction as soon as that happened, as soon as the blood splattered on the picture and you knew that Dewey was done. Uh, it's 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 so horrible. It's so sad because he's such a funny, lovable in his own right character and just one of the best written and best acted characters on the show. And it's kind of awesome that they took him off the table this early into the final season. Yeah. Took out old Yeller. You know, they, they really did. And I, uh, I think that it sends such a great message. You know, uh, Rob Cesternino and I finished podcasting about Sons of Anarchy's final season not long ago, a few weeks, about a month, a uh, month and a half ago at this point. Uh, and the final season of, you know, I, I liked Sons of Anarchy a lot uh, throughout most of its run. I thought it went off the rails a little bit here and there. But one of the things that I really did not like about its final season is it, it would it would reserve big moments like this for later on, not getting into spoilers about what happens on the show, but it would reserve big moments like, you know, something akin to a Dewey Crow death for, you know, the very, you know, final few episodes of the season or, you know, maybe midway through the season. I feel like if you're if you're a final season of a really beloved show, you just you can't play it safe. What's there to play it safe for? You just got to go for it. You really just got to hit hit the pedal to the metal. And I think killing Dewey Crow here is, is that that's exactly the kind of thing that I want out of my final season of, of a beloved show. As long as you're doing it well, as long as you're doing it smartly, entertainingly, as long as everything, you know, all the craft and care that you love about this show is going into moments like this moments, like ripping one of your favorite characters off of the table. I'm all for it. You know, I'm the guy who says, uh, you know, I, I wish that they'd, you know, killed Saeed off in the first episode of the final season of Lost. You know, this is great. This this works for me on such a huge level to to lose Dewey here because the table is set for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have to raise the stakes, and I I think that that's especially poignantly done with with how Boyd has to do it and why, uh, because Boyd realizes that, that it's almost like a no country for old men. It's like Boyd realizes that we have, there's no more time for Dewey Crow. Like I don't have space for Dewey Crow in my life anymore. Like he used to be that when the King kills the jester, that's because the King is very unhappy and doesn't want to be made happier. And Boyd is in a really tough spot and can't have Dewey Crow's comic relief floating around. I mean, last season in season five, there's that great scene where Dewey Crow's coming and it's like the big moment for Dewey Crow. He's going to come shake Raylan or Boyd down and try to get money out of him. And Boyd is just couldn't, couldn't be less concerned with Dewey Crow. He's just like, come on, Dewey Crow, stand up for yourself, you know, and put your foot down. And he gives him that big pep talk, but he has no real interest in what Dewey Crow is is saying. He's just kind of like a jester or like a fly that's buzzing around or a little dog or whatever, but there's no more room for that anymore in Boyd's life. He, He really is. He knows he's at the end and he says it multiple times in the episode. And when you're at the end, you have to, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tie some things up. And unfortunately one of those loose ends is Dewey Crow. 
R.I.P. Dewey Crow. Yeah, Harlan's dying, and if Boyd wants to get out of there alive, uh, no half measures. Got to go full measure. So Got that's it. really tough. And then the final scene of the episode is just this haunting, haunting, yeah. haunting Oh, my shot. gosh. Speaking of half measures and oh, full measures. Oh, man, of, of Boyd watching Ava as she's asleep, and you just you have no idea what's going on in his head. Uh, and I think very intentionally that's the case uh, on the writer's part. You don't, You just don't know what Boyd is thinking, but the music is mounting up. It's so intense. What does he know? What does he think that that is? Is he suspicious of Ava? Is he just you know mournful for Ava? Does he is he lustful for Ava? What's going on? What is he thinking when he's looking at Ava? There is he thinking about what he just did to Dewey? You know that's the beauty of of not just the show, but certainly of of Walton Goggins who can emote like crazy, and you just you know you 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 put your feelings on whatever that guy's face is at that given moment. Uh, I think that there's so many reads on that final shot, but it's just, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal image to, to leave this really, I think phenomenal episode on. Yeah. And Fierro tweeted at us and said that that last scene makes her think that Boyd's hip to what Ava's doing. How soon before she's outed? Is that, is that your read on it? Um, I don't know. I I'm not, I'm not totally sold on that just yet. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not thinking about it too hard. Frankly, you know, all of my all of my attention is still on the fact that Dewey Crow is no longer with us. And it, it's hard for me to process too much else uh, in terms of predicting what Boyd knows and what Boyd doesn't know. Uh, I think that will reveal itself in due time. I just I really respect that final shot in terms of leaving that up to us. You know, is it it's almost like who knows what Boyd is thinking and, and who cares what Boyd is thinking. What yeah. matters is what are we thinking of Boyd in that moment? And yeah. I think that there's a lot of things you could be thinking about Boyd. You could think, Oh God, Boyd's dangerous. Oh God, Boyd's such a badass. Oh God, what, what's Boyd going to do next? And I think for me, what my reaction was, ah, F you Boyd, you just killed Dewey Crow. You know, just like this real feeling of kind of turning on one of my favorite characters for killing one of my other favorite characters. And I thought he was almost full on Boisenberg. Like he really just, <laughs> yeah. he really was. I mean, it was, I, I read pure terror. I, I was terrified. Like he's become terrifying. He's become the kind of guy that will kill Dewey Crow, you know, without, without much hesitation and knowing that he's going to do it and deciding he's going to do it and setting it up and just doing it and then cast him out in a, in a rug and just disappear him and then in a place where he hasn't been sleeping he's going to come in the middle of the night in secret and just sit there and watch Ava sleep because I don't think I don't think he really trusts anybody he probably trusts Carl and that's about it yeah and and, 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 and maybe he trusts Carl and maybe he trusts Carl we'll see how much right because I don't know how his whole crew how much his whole crew knows about what's going on I don't know to what degree he's being kept in the dark by Catherine Hill but he's sitting there just kind of watching her sleep and looking like just pure evil pure malevolence like I I, I respect that I like it yeah uh, Boisenberg Boisenberg yeah absolutely all right so let, let's start wrapping up here Antonio I want to do something with you uh that that's a very fun thing that that Rob and I would do on Walking Dead and Sons of Anarchy podcasts we like to do a death draft uh okay. before before these seasons you know these final seasons these action pack seasons really kick into higher gear okay. uh, so let, let's do that right now let's let's both of us pick three people each uh, that we think is not going to leave Harlan County alive okay. uh, by the end of this thing. And I will, I will give you the honors of going first. 
Okay, I will. Uh, I'll take Tim Gutterson. Oh, brutal! <laughs> why? Why do you think uh, Tim's not going to make it? I think somebody on Team Raylan's got to die. I think that uh, it could be Rachel, but Tim seems like he's more the field kind of guy now. So he's more likely the kind of guy that's going to find him in trouble. We also have way more of his backstory than we have of Rachel's, even though we have some of Rachel's. We've got a lot more about Tim's kind of haunted soldier kind of backstory. He's had his kind of own stuff and moments in the sun. And the more he and Raylan start running this operation, if Raylan gets close i can see raylan absolutely putting tim in harm's way and getting tim killed and not meaning to and that kind of really driving raylan through a lot of the season so that's my number one pick i think somebody on the good guy side has got to die and i feel like as that goes he's probably the most likely all right i'll go ambitious with my first pick oh boy here we go and i'm i'm gonna say that boyd crowder is not walking away from this thing uh, he would he would have been my second pick. I like know, that pick. I think you know it's it's a it's a big pick. I could have gone with a minor character. I'm I'm sure that there are minor characters that we could draft here and and will draft here. But just to go with one big gun, I think it's got to be Boyd. I think uh, something that I said on the most recent rewatch podcast on the season five rewatch podcast. I think fire in the hole is in there for a reason. We've talked a lot about. Chekhov's whatever, you know, Chekhov's apple pie and Chekhov's gun in the sleeve. Uh, Chekhov's fine line was was our most recent one. And I think that Chekhov's fire in the hole is certainly in play. So I, I am anticipating a Boyd Crowder death by the end of this season. Yeah, I think we we set that up pretty good in our season five rewatch, and uh, I think I think at the hands of Emulex, possibly in a heroic way, uh, I think is is a good way for the Boyd Crowder character to end. Uh, he's gone pretty dark here at the beginning of this season, though, so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting way to see if he can come back from that if he's gonna die a heroic death. But I tend to agree with you that uh, that he's not likely to leave Harlan alive. All right, you get the get. Your your second pick here. Who, who I'll take you got? I'll take Carl. I'll take Boyd's right hand <laughs> yeah, right hand man Carl. That seems that seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Carl seems like uh, the Bob of the Walking Dead of of Justified. He seems like a, a good one to pick off pretty early. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I I've got one here. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I don't know anything about him yet, other than he's on the show. He has made an appearance. He is a a great actor. And I think that he is uh, an actor who plays characters that die really well. So I'm going to get Garrett Dillahunt's unnamed character as at this point. I'm going to put Garrett Dillahunt on my hit list. I like it. I like it because I, I think that we've seen that the, the big bad of the season can often die in the season. We saw it happen in season two with Mags Bennett. We probably saw it happen in season three with Robert Quarles. I don't I think that's up for debate. Up for debate. Yeah. So I, I don't know exactly uh, if that's going to happen or not, but uh, but I think that's probably a good bet that somebody's going to die. Uh, on from from the kind of the guest stars rogues gallery and he seems like a good he seems like the kind of guy that Raylan's going to get into a confrontation with and draw on and come out victorious from yeah that guy just has dying on justified written all over his face <laughs> he really does <laughs> he really it's, does it's buried in that deep beard all right give me your last pick Antonio so this is not a sexy or glamorous pick, but I uh, just to kind of <laughs> pulling through here. I thought about Win Duffy and I thought there's no chance that Win Duffy dies because that guy is Teflon when it comes to death. Uh, I, and that might be a really interesting pick then because maybe finally he meets his maker. But people have been killed literally right next to him on multiple occasions. And he's always the guy that kind of walks away. He's got nine lives, this guy. And I don't I, he, right now he's on about six or seven. So I don't think Win Duffy's going to go, but I'm going to pick his right hand man, Mike. 
uh, when Duffy famously says, Mike, he's a dead shot. Why do you think I keep him around? He's right. the guy that's always answering the door for when Duffy, he's really do, running his errands all the time. He almost, he almost got killed last season by George Mason from 24. Uh, so I think that there's a good chance Mike could, Mike could meet his end at some point this season. So all I'm right. going to go with Mike, not a sexy pick, but, uh, but I think somebody that could very well die because I just, I just don't see when Duffy biting it, but uh, I, I see them applying some yet more pressure to win Duffy and that's how they would do it. All right. So I've got one last pick and inspired by your idea that somebody on the good guy's side has to die. I'm going to go with, and I hate to say it. He's, he's not a huge character, but he's a character I like quite a bit. I feel like AUSA Vasquez could bite it. Uh, I feel, I feel like he's really in the thick of this, this, uh, you know, case on Boyd and I, I could just see him going and I hope I'm wrong. Because uh, I really do like him a lot, but he, he's a character that I could see not making it through the final season of Justice. Yeah, they could they could absolutely be in a position where killing him was the difference between uh, between the case progressing and the case dying on the vine to a certain extent. So if that's the case, they he absolutely could become charnel. That that could happen for sure. All right, and then let's let's wrap up by each of us picking one person who is definitely making it. Who's who is going to survive this thing? Which character is not going anywhere? Give give me one. That's a. That's a tough call. I would say Rachel. I'll, I'll take Rachel. Yeah, Rachel seems like she's going to be. Okay. Yeah, I think she's going to sit in that office and she's going to be protected. OK, uh, I'll go big. I'll go Raylan. I think Raylan's going to be all right. Yeah, that's a bold prediction. It's a bold prediction. I don't feel like Justified ends with the death of Raylan Givens. Uh, I feel like that's too big of a move for the writers of Justified to sign off on without Elmer Leonard being here. Uh, I feel like that's a that's a that's a decision that you need the big man to sign off on. And of course, Elmore Leonard is is no longer with us. Uh, so I feel like Raylan makes it. I feel like Raylan gets to go to Florida. Uh, I really hope so. I'm going to make that prediction. I'm going to I'm going to say Raylan is going to be OK. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. I hope that I'm right. Uh, not just because I'll be right, but also because I don't want Raylan to die. I feel like this guy deserves to come out of this thing alive. It's entirely possible that. uh Mr. Leonard gave his blessing to kill Raylan before he met his maker. I know. I'm realizing that now. Yeah. I'm just, uh, uh, I'm just saying this whole, the whole George R. R. Martin game of Thrones. Maybe I don't live it out. Maybe I don't finish. Maybe I better talk to the writers of my show kind of thing. Right. I have a feeling that as they were, and I believe Elmore Leonard passed away in 2013. So as they were mapping out the kind of final arcs for the, these characters, I'm sure that at some point that was discussed with him. That being, uh, that being said, Graham Yost swears that he still does not know how the show is ending. Uh, at this point, he says that they're still writing it. They're still breaking the episodes and they've had ideas, but they've changed. Uh, wow. and, and those changed ideas have also changed and those have changed. So, so you're saying that I could bribe them and win this draft. Yes, I am saying that. But oh, I'm, all right. I'm, I'm saying that the scenario was very alive. So oh, all right. uh, and, until until it is not, we can we can we can only guess. We can only guess right now. But I kind of like that. I've got both Boyd dying and Raylan living here. So it seems like I've taken a side. Uh, I feel good about that. I think that's fun. Yeah, I like it too. That's really good. Um, can we can we reach any kind of consensus, a mutual consensus on what's going to happen to Ava? It's a very good question. Um, I I don't know. I don't have. I actually don't have a confirmed thought on that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, me neither. I don't think we can reach a consensus. I think no, we I got consensus is I don't know. It could go either way. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I don't. 
She really is. And and of course it could go either way. And that's how we feel because they've done a really good job of setting that up. Not only not making her motives fully clear, uh, but making it clear that at least Raylan is going to be directly pulling her in a dangerous direction. So we'll see. I don't think Boyd could put a bullet in her, but he just, he just did with Dewey Crow without much hesitation. There would be a ton more hesitation with Ava, but uh, I mean, I think that it would be very interesting in the course of this season to see if they could get there uh, to the point where Boyd felt the need to do it uh, and found himself in a situation where he felt like he had to do it. Would he still be able to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. All right. Uh, that'll um, be really interesting to see if we can get there. Needless to say, lots going on right now in the final season of Justified. That premiere was awesome. I'm really excited about where the rest of the season is going to go. Uh, anything else, Antonio, or should we wrap this guy up? No, I think I'm think I'm wrapped. I feel good. All right, let's wrap here. Uh, follow. I have Antonio. some. I have some duck. I have some duck to eat. Yeah, yeah. I know you do some duck butt. Uh, follow <laughs> Antonio on Twitter. He's at AC Mazzaro, Two Z's, one R. I'm at Round Howard, like Ron Howard, but rounder. And you can follow everything we're doing on Post Show Recaps at Post Show Recaps on Twitter as well. Uh, we're working on getting a specific justified feed up and running that you guys can subscribe to. In the meantime, just sub- subscribe to the to the main feed we've got. That's PostShowRecaps.com/slash iTunes. You can go ahead and do that there and make sure you're not missing a single episode of what we're doing uh and if you haven't listened to the justified recaps that antonio and i did highly recommend going back and listening to that because antonio and i had a ton of fun dissecting these characters journeys throughout uh this whole show from from beginning to where we are now so uh i I think that's a, a worthwhile thing if you guys have not gone and explored that stuff uh but otherwise antonio i guess hashtag duck butt it's not, it seems fine by me. I just looked it up, and it's not not anything too untoward. I think we're in good, safe waters there. All right. Hashtag DuckBud if you liked what we did here tonight, if you're brave enough to use that hashtag. Otherwise, just tweet at us and give us a thumbs up. And we will be back next week talking about the second episode of the final season of Justified. And until then, take care, everyone. Bye.